best not miss. Well, I'm a bunch of real proud laying motherfucker, motherfucker. Welcome to the Party Pal, the mind-bending film and television podcast you didn't know you needed. Welcome to the Party Pal as a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. Head to OsirisPod.com to learn more. We are back to talk more Station Eleven, our second episode dedicated to it. It's the American post-apocalyptic fiction miniseries created by Patrick Somerville based on the 2014 novel of the same name by Emily St. John Mandel, um, which premiered in, on HBO in December. It's remarkable, a uh, lot more to dig into. And I uh, to do so, I have the help of uh, one of our co-hosts, uh, recurring hosts here at Welcome to the Party Pal, Chris Thompson. Chris, how are you? I'm doing great, Mike. I'm really excited to be here for this uh, show today. So I had the ability with the help of uh, River uh, in the last uh, episode, and I hope she comes back on the show. She was so great. Her passion for Station Eleven was so evident. Thank you, River. Um, to kind of dig into, we really spoke very broad and generally about our affection for the show. And of course, we hit moments and, you know, dug into pieces here and there. But, um, you know, we're going to sharpen our view a little bit. And we're actually going to talk a bunch about the book, too, and, and you know, the, the source material. But since I had the chance to really get into just, um, you know, what I loved and what affected me so deeply as it did, I, I just, I, I want to turn it over to you and ask you, Chris, I, I know you feel the same way. What struck you um, about the series, the television series, Station Eleven? First off, just getting a sort of, you know, wide lens view. I think this series is just television of the highest caliber. Mm. Um, it is hauntingly beautiful. It's endlessly tragic, but there's this ribbon of, hopefulness woven in the, the each episode and taking it taking as a whole i think the series is just as rich and mysterious to the force um <laughs> it, it kind of upends the rules for how post-apocalyptic stories unfold mm. and how they are portrayed in our current pop culture i mean you would maybe you would expect grit and grime and and decay and suffering and shades of gray from a show like this but instead you get these like verdant greens and these blue skies mm. and you get mm. um you know moments of uh rebirth and stolen moments of love and and hopefulness intermixed with hip-hop and motown and larger than life <laughs> characters performing shakespeare um yeah. the traveling troops so you know overall for me it's i would say that there's all this undiscovered country that they're going to and this new found uh, way of looking at these kind of shows which i really just love so much but bigger picture overall I think the sh it's the show's message that makes it so special. Um, you know, like, like in a show like, you know, the, the Walking Dead or movies like The Road, you get these post-apocalyptic tales that laser focus on a character's or character's struggle to just survive. But yeah. in Station yeah. Eleven, and especially with this series, you get to see it so well, you know, um, survival's insufficient. Um, the show explores what comes after you avoid death yeah. or what you gain as you struggle to survive. That's, and that's so great. It's through these friendships, the community, and the art that you create within that struggle that the real meaning of this new life emerges. 
And I think the show does a great job of talking about art and its power to heal and to bring mm -hmm. people together, even in the worst of circumstances. And that, I think that what just elevates the show to a whole new level. Yeah, it's I mean, it's beyond the survival. I'm glad you mentioned those colors and and the new beginnings, of course, you know, it took getting through uh, the hurt and, the, you know, those first, what is it, 80 days or so in 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 the apartment and just, you know, we, he, you can't discount the fact that 99% of the population is wiped off, but that's not the focus here. That wasn't, that wasn't where this, this journey took you. It was towards new beginnings. It was towards hope and, and, yeah. and then the focus on what got you through in that meantime, which is beautiful. Um, what, what, uh, we really pinpointed, I mean, I, I spoke a lot about episode seven. It's, I'm, I feel like I'm going to be rewatching that for the rest of rest of my time, my days. But um, was there an episode that caught you that uh, or favorite moment um, as you worked your way through it that, re yeah. that really struck you? Because there was moments yeah, I, mean, I, I see I talk to different people all the time and they're like, yeah. you know, I liked it. And then this happened and I would just I was just all <laughs> in. I'm, I'm sure that happened to you at some point. Yeah, for me, it's, um, you know, separating the moments from the episodes. I think it's it's they're equally mm. hard to sort of like you know, tease out what's the best out of them because they're all the best. But, you know, for me, like, I, I like to think about like, like the episodes maybe first in terms of what moved me. And um, I really love when a show just sort of just punches you in the gut and gets things started right, right at the beginning. And mm -hmm. I, I really felt like um, for me, it was the first two episodes and probably I, I see episode one and two is kind of like this, this sort of beautiful encapsulation of um, the world that was the world that it became and kind of yeah. what happened in between because it shows you sort of hints of all of that and 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 just like you know in in an hour and a half time so for me but i think the first episode really stands out for me um i think because how quickly the show gets to work showing us this post-pandemic future where 99.9 percent .9 yeah of the populace disappeared like almost overnight yeah. and so it, it just from the moment it starts, it wastes no time going to work on your emotions mm -hmm. and really unsettling your nerves. And then it just quickly flings you 20 years into the future, you know, um, like you're being shot out of a cannon. And then in this, this young girl, Kristen, who we see in the beginning, she's now almost 30 and she's part of this like wonderfully captivating traveling theater circulating the Great Lakes regions once a year, delivering, delivering Shakespeare to the communities that have sprung up, you know? So, you know, I think for me, like this, I talk about this all the time on our podcast. I'm a big fan of world building. And yeah. I think those first two episodes do a great job of just setting up the rest of the show. And, um, you know, we can start to break it down more granular and talk about like moments or like the episodes that um, exist after. But I think a lot of that stuff is due in part, their success is due in part to the first two episodes. So for me, I, I, I really like sort of, and episode, um, I believe it's episode one, when um, Jeevan and Kristen are just like, they emerge from their ho their apartment after a hundred days being isolated to a completely desolate kind of um, yeah. uh, an empty frozen Chicago. And they start to just walk out across the great lakes to, to sort of the, who knows what's going to happen after that. But um, just, you know, in the, in those first episodes, I really like just was drawn in and I was like, I'm in, I'm sold, you know, like I can't <laughs> wait to watch more. Um, and then the successive episodes, um, after that sort of built upon the goodwill of those first two episodes, I think, and mm -hmm. allowed them to be so great because of what the, the show just did so smartly, I think, in, the, in those first two. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, I really want to get into the book here. I do want to ask you, though, just because we, we really 
um, um, we, we got into this a whole bunch and just the music, the, the decisions, the needle drops, the, the music in the show, um, you know, there was, there was songs um, sung by the troupe and everything. Was there a moment or any musical moment that, that really got you? There's just, it was such a special part of the, the entire thing for me. Yeah, I, I know probably the overall consensus would be to say that, you know, Jeevan's brothers, Frank, spitting Tribe Called Quest rhymes to Jeevan and Kristen while they wait on the pandemic and their freezing cold Chicago high rise is probably, you know, the apex moment in the show. Um, it, it, it is powerful and moving and it has oh, really great, you know, um, uh, cultural connections um, mm -hmm. to modern times. But for me, it was the more subdued musical moments that really struck a nerve. Oh, wow. um, I think a great example is in episode two when Alex, who is a post-pandemic child, she was born after the pandemic, and she knows only of the new world, nothing of the past. Yeah. She sings um, uh, something called a dirge, mm. which is uh, known as, it's also called a, a lament for the dead. Yeah. And she sings this for her new friend's deceased wife, and she dedicates it to all the community and to those who have died. And it's such a pure oh. like encapsulation, I think, of... Um, her as a character and kind of what she represents in terms of the world of station 11 about these individuals who were born into a world that didn't know mm -hmm. what it was like before the pandemic. So I thought that was just really touching. I, I, I really didn't really understand sort of what she was singing. I didn't sound like anything that was familiar to me from the past. Something maybe she was making emotion, it up. Though. I mean, you it was, get yeah, it was just coming from a place of emotion yeah. and a, a pureness that I think a lot of the characters who were born before the pandemic don't have, I think is a, is a, is a big sort of storyline in the show in the book in general, um, yeah. sort of they, they sort of have this pureness that within them. So I really like that a lot. And another one um, yeah. in the final episode when the traveling symphony, um, the theater troupe is paying tribute to their deceased leader Sarah. Um, you know, so she had dope. passed away from a heart attack, mm -hmm. um, and um, they performed this sort of candlelight rendition of Gladys Knight's Midnight Train to Georgia. So beautiful. Um, so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And the woman who, who the actress who plays that, her voice is just incredibly gorgeous um, and so powerful. And then just the backing of it is just uh, a tuba and a, and a keyboard, you know, mm -hmm. is the only musical mm -hmm. instrument they have because they don't, you know, they're hard to come by. You, you can't like put a CD in, you know, because there's just no power grid. But, and then it's, it was just really powerful to me in that moment to sort of just think about what it would be like how do you how do you have music in a time when there's no internet there's no yeah. like there's no electricity like it kind of takes you back to an era before that when you know music was very micro and it was contained only within your little communities and didn't get, yeah. go beyond that very much mm -hmm. and if it did it was through a lot of effort you know so mm -hmm. it kind of like i really was drawn into that and it sort of you could kind of tra time travel a little bit back to the past and sort of appreciate how music and song was performed in before modern times so yeah. those are like my the more powerful moments for me musically yeah is you know when you're talking about that it was interesting um i think it was hitting me a little bit more in the book too the idea of of children who were who were growing up past the situation where they just didn't know and there was an idea there was a question that was being asked um you know, does it still make sense to teach these kids how things were? Um, you know, one of the characters was saying that it was actually upsetting uh, for the kids. It was science yeah. fiction to them. And, you yes. know, all these, uh, you know, learning about all these wondrous things was struggling, you know, do, you know, does knowing these things make them, you know, more happy or less happy? In that case, he's like, it's making my kid less happy. But 
you know, it's, it's, it's something we could break down a whole bunch, you know, it gives right. them something to strive for. I see a lot of reasons too. And, but it's definitely a theme that comes up uh, in, in, in both, but in the book. So I want to give um, uh, the book some love here in a moment, but before we do that, we really, this was, um, and it was, it was Patrick said himself, Somerville, he set out to make an aggressive adaptation and boy, did he, I mean, this is, is completely, I mean, he almost, in the way I can almost put it is he took the world that they built, he took the characters and then he's just like, I'll take it from here. You know, there's definitely, there's, 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 you know, it, it's more than that. There's the lines cross way more than that, but it's, it, it takes, uh, you know, some big, big swings. And I think they, they, they work. They, 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 those swings hit. And um, so let's go through some of the major differences and just, we have to start um, with the fact that Kirsten was not in the apartment with Frank and Jeevan. And the reason I start with this in my mind, and I think this is kind of uh, something anyone can agree on. This was pretty much the heart and soul of the show. I mean, yes. Jeevan and Kirsten, um, you know, they had no relationship in the book. There was an onstage encounter, but there was, you know, the fact that that they didn't have a relationship, it, meaning there would be no grocery store run, um, no episode seven at all, no, no, no play that they performed or no, you know, uh, Frank Ryman <laughs> excursions or no heartfelt reunion that yes. really brought the show home. And it is, um, it's mind blowing to think about the the fact that that never happened. I mean, what happened after, um, you know, the pandemic set in and the book is the, uh, um, Kirsten sent, spent some time with her brother uh, the first years before he was lost. And then um, um, Jeevan actually, he just, he just went out walking after he did stay with Frank in the apartment. Um, Frank, he was in a wheelchair. There was no way he was gonna set out into the world. He actually took his own life with sleeping pills. And then Frank went walking, ended up, um, a doctor in uh, Virginia with his family, but wow, they did not cross paths at all. That's, that's, I mean, in, in this way, that's, that's major. Yeah, it, it's huge. And I think we can go back to, you know, you kind of asked me like my favorite episodes or my favorite moments. Um, mm -hmm. I think I would say my favorite moment in the show, which I think ties nicely into what we're talking about here is the moment at the end of the series when, Kristen finally reconnects with Jeevan in the final episode, oh. you know, um, you know, I felt like because um, I like it because it's just so it's it's so warmly satisfying compared to the book, you yeah. know, and it's so different. Yeah. And I know it seems like the whole show, for those of you who have watched it, it's been clearly moving towards that encounter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it probably doesn't seem like a surprise was going to happen, but it still hits so hard to finally watch it unfold. It still and, landed. It's yeah, it really hit me. Like I wasn't it. surprised by it, but I was yeah. so moved by it because the love that they have for each other, you know, the fact that they were these strange traveling companions in the show, you know, 20 years earlier when the world was falling apart and Jeevan just helped this scared little girl um, come home, you know, compared to in the book where he just hands her off to some like some ch child wrangler, you know, like I think that the, um, the series did a good job of taking that thread and going a new direction with it because, mm -hmm. you know, in, in, in the world of Station Eleven, family has such a different meaning than it did before the pandemic. Um, Absolutely. You know, the pandemic killed everyone. It killed everyone. You know, 0.1% of the population survived, you know, and those that who were left to live in this new world had to come together with strangers and forge bonds of love and connection mm -hmm. just as strong as the ones they have with those who they lost. So 
the love between Kristen and Jeevan that this, the, the series showed at the end, um, it bridged those 20 years, you know, yeah. while Jeevan was lost to Kristen. And, you know, it showed up just as strong as ever when they finally found each other again. And that to me was just really powerful and incredibly moving. And it's, like it's a bittersweet about, moment. Yeah. But it's, but it's so welcome, in, in, yep. you know, and it's so beautiful. And it really did a nice job of putting a strong end to the show. Mm. And I felt in the book, you know, that never happened. And I kind of always wanted it to happen. You were kind of left kind of wanting, you know, it kind of felt like mm. something was missing. Um, even though the, the book is a masterpiece, I will give yeah, you that. There's, there's, there's happy endings of its own yeah. that, that I do want to discuss in a moment. But it yeah. was, I mean, you're so right that the landing of that. And like we were talking a little bit about in the previous episode, I mean, there was so much weight to that meeting because you know what what happened was they were there for each other when when yeah. the world was ending. The um the deal here though that um uh, as I move on to like the kind of the next major difference is is most of this was based in the decision um, a purposeful decision by by the showrunners by Patrick and his team to give Jeevan a bigger part mm -hmm. of the story all the way around because to me the number two biggest um um you know, difference from the book to the series is episode nine in whole, the whole thing, such an amazing penultimate episode. It does not exist in any manner in, in the book at all. And that's when he was in the, you know, in that um, big, big uh, retail store and, and, you know, all the babies are born and where he's actually transitioning to becoming um, a doctor and becoming a healer and, you know, finding his destiny. And it was just a, you know, major episode, very impactful. I mean, like I did allude to, he did become a doctor. He actually, um, in his days before he sets up shop with his family, he was apprenticing for a doctor in the book. They they don't like walk you through it, but they allude to it, um, right. you know, when there was a, a gunshot at the end that he was helping. So he does become a healer and everything, but there's nothing, it's, I mean, it's, I, I love that they, you know, for whatever reason they decided to do it, they you know were taken by the character of Jeevan, and they wanted to bring him to life in a different way, and and it was it was it was so wonderful that they did. It would it it just worked so well. Yeah, I agree. I always felt like in the novel, you know, there there was more room for Jeevan to exist in the world, you know, and yeah. especially that you know in the, the the way Patrick Somerville took the show, and he sort of you know in. in he built this, this bond between these two people on the day the world ended, this young girl and this sort of like juvenile adult, you know, and like he went in a totally different direction. And because yeah. of that, you get episodes like ep episode nine, Dr. Mm -hmm. Shadhari, you know, where mm -hmm. you get to see this sort of this, um, this realization of who you're meant to be in Jeevan's character, you know, how he becomes the healer, he becomes a doctor. And, you know, none of that happens in the book. And, you know, I really found that, well, first of all, I, I really like um, the actor who plays um, Jeevan. Uh, yeah, Patel. Oh, yeah, so he, good. He's incredible. He, he yep. blew me away in um, the Danny Boyle movie uh, yesterday. Is that, yep. that the Beatles movie? Oh, yeah. Yesterday's great. That was my first time seeing him. Yeah. And then he was in Don't Look Up, you know, and like, you know, so I, he's, you know, I've seen him in some other things and I've always gravitated towards him as an actor. I think he's incredible. He has an amazing range. And to seeing him cast in this, it, in my mind, he's the quintessential Jeevan. He's the one who I would imagine would have been his character. Yeah. And he brought gravitas. He brought emotion. He brought heart. He, he yeah. really was a great job in the character. Mm -hmm. And, you know, none of that is present in the book. And so, you know, these are, they are very, you know, sharp contrasts 
But, um, you know, I'm glad that Patrick Somerville put more Jeevan in the show. Whereas, you know, someone say the books of Masterpiece doesn't need it. Jeevan's story is good enough. You know, I mean, he walks a yeah. thousand miles from Chicago, sorry, from Toronto to Virginia, mm-hmm. settling down, has a family, becomes a doctor. That's great, you know, but it, it doesn't really wrap up very nicely, you know, and sometimes yeah. I, I want that in, in storytelling because it just kind of feels like it needs it. And if I'm not, I'm was, not trying to knock the book at all, but I'm just no, saying no, that. We're going to get into how good the book yeah. is in a moment. But um, yeah. if there was a character that could have needed to be flushed out, it was them. And I'm sure that's what they were thinking. Yeah, um, exactly. To uh, uh, to continue, um, this one kind of encapsulates a lot. This is number three of, uh, um, you know, the major differences. And, and just, you know, to put it under a bigger umbrella, that umbrella being some of the biggest moments in the series didn't happen and I'll run through them. Um, there was no Miranda's conversation with the pilot. Um, that plane that sat on the runway had a big part in the book, yep. huge, part, huge part. But yeah. that conversation, the way they tied in Miranda um, being out there, figuring out and calling her, which was just one of the hardest hit moments of the thing. There was no Tyler blowing up the plane. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, when he, when he, when he left the, um, uh, the museum, he, uh, he left with his mother, not, not leaving her broken, thinking he was dead there. A religious cult kind of comes through and, and picks them up and because they were starting to have these crazy religious inclinations as is. Um, you know, so there was no Tyler taking that infected person off the plane and having them shot next to him, which was a really great decision, a tool to really, you know, kind of break Tyler a little bit or change yeah. him a little bit. Break's yeah. a tough word. Um, there was no minefield and golf course. There was the museum didn't explode. And to kind of bring this home, there was no play at the end to close things down as, as that there was not, there wasn't that big play at the museum. There was, you know, there's big culminating moments, but um, you know, the, the decision the showrunners made was to make sure they had everybody in the world finding a way to be together at that time for the impactful moment. So yeah. these are some big, big swings I'm talking about. Yeah, they are. I mean, you know, in, in the end of the series, you know, as it winds down on the show, all roads lead to the airport, you know, um, mm-hmm. kind of like that trifecta. You got like the, the airport and like the Museum of Civilization. You got Tyler's group and the children and his cult. And then you have the symphony and yeah. sort of those threads all kind of sort of like connect together at the airport. And, you know, um, you know, and I, I get it in television, you have to be climactic. You have yeah. to have big bangs. And, all this. and so I think that the showrunners did a great job of kind of creating this sort of like supernova of, just incredibleness to have this all come together in a world where, you know, that doesn't happen. So I think it does, it does a really great job of that. And, you know, the things that you point out, I mean, some of them are subtle, some of them are drastic, but I, I still, within them, I think like, you know, the, the essence of everything still exists, you know, um, definitely in show in the book and they do, they, they, they can coexist together. And, you know, it's just television benefits from having to be being visual. You can do yeah. a lot more. You know, and that's always been the case. And so you can just subtly drop in a visual that will take you a whole chapter to sort of describe in a book, you know, yep. you know, so it's, it's just, you know, that's some of the power of a visual art form like that. Um, I saw, so- I saw power, uh, Patrick talking about, um, you know, the changes and, you know, that scene at the end and he wrote on, you know, as a, as a television maker, he's like, if you're going to build a whole airport to shoot in, you better use it, you know, you better well use <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. towards the end. But I'd like yeah. to um, um, kind of piggyback up what you were saying there, you know, these changes, they, I look at them in a very good way because they do, they allow each of these things to ex- kind of exist on their own too and be their own 
full experience, but also the heartbeat of the novel, it does exist in the show. The ideas that like make the book and the series so special, they, uh, they, they, they're in both. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. And uh, one more thing I want to uh, mention that's not in uh, the series, but in the book and that's Star Trek because um, the idea of sci- survival being um, uh, uh, insufficient it actually comes from, and it's they they say it directly in the book. Um, it's a nod to Star Trek Voyager, because there was a there was an episode. It's actually the episode's called Survival Instinct. It's season six, episode two, I believe. And you know, it's a kind of the um, it's a Borg episode about Seven of Nine. She's kind of learning to be human a little bit, and it just and, and she she figures out, and she's kind of being coached by. Um, Janeway that that it's about you know life is about more than survival right. and so that idea kind of comes from Star Trek also, also someone in the um towards the end well he they, they they raid a house together at the end and they find a little Star Trek um oh yeah uh, right yeah um Enterprise and they take take it with them so Star Trek was missing but I do I do uh, you know we those things those decisions the showrunners made they they were hits but the book is a hit I mean her book is incredible. It's um, it was a sensation in 2014. It won the na- uh, it was a National Book Award nominee. Um, it won the um, Arthur, Arthur C. Clarke yeah. Award, which I mean that's a huge deal. It sold at that time. I'm sure it's so much more now. It was 1.5 million copies sold. Um, and 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 I will say this. Um, it really it had a bigger emotional impact on me when it comes to what was lost there was i I felt like um and you 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 alluded to it really well when you were talking about episode one and two they kind of set up uh you know what happened and moved past it and i'm glad they did in the series pretty pretty quick but they kept going back in the book to like what was lost a lot and and just it just was really really hitting home i mean even in the beginning there's um there's a chapter, just chapter six, and it just starts out. Now I'm going to read here for just a second. It says, an incomplete list. And then there's just um, a colon. No more diving into pools of chlorinated water lit green from below. No more ball games played out under floodlights. No more porch lights with moths fluttering on summer nights. No more trains running under the surface of cities on the dazzling power of the electrical electric third rail. No more cities. No more films, except rarely except with the generator drowning out half the dialogue. And only then for the first little while until the fuel for the generators ran out because automobile, I didn't even know this till like, uh, I didn't realize this because automobile gas goes stale after two or three years. Aviation gas lasts longer, but it was difficult to come by. No more screens shining in the half light as people raise their phones above the crowd to take photographs of concert stages. No more concert stages lit by candy-colored halogens, no more electronica, punk, electric guitars, no more pharmaceuticals, no more certainty of surviving a scratch on one's hand, a cut on a finger while chopping vegetables for dinner, a dog bite. It just, that goes on. There's like three more paragraphs of that, ch- just that chapter, just like no more. And just the um, the impact of what was lost was, was just killing me. And it was brought up time and time again. But then the other way to look at it and what was what was like the beauty captured in the book was how that loss became a celebration of what we have right now. It was it, it made you like realize, like, stop for a second. Look at what you have. I mean, the way they talk about air conditioner, like 
people ask the question like, wait, so it just blows out through the tube the way they talk about flight. It's crazy. They talk about a, a fridge at one point and they're talking about like how it opened and they're like, they couldn't remember. They're like, wait, did a light pop on? They're like, a light did pop on. And it was just the, the, these wonders that we have. And just like, actually at one point, Clark was just mentioning, he's like, he's like these, uh, these taken for granted miracles that, that persisted all around us. And he was talking about cell phones there and just describing cell phones and these things as miracles. These are miracles. And these are things we have right now. And you get to thinking about it because they don't have them anymore. And it just hit, yeah. it hit me really hard while reading the book. Yeah, how about it, you? It, it hit me really powerfully because you, you realize how precarious you know, the situation is, which is our humanity, yeah. how we're all just balanced on the tip of a knife and we, at any moment it can all be taken away from us. Damn you right. know? And, and it, it, I, I think the book does a wonderful job and, and you can sort of read all the accolades it has is it really sort of forces you to kind of just like sit and be appreciative of where you are and being alive and the, you have the love of the people, the friends and family around you and you have lights over your head and running water and modern plumbing and how in an instant that could all go away. And it could radically change your life forever. And I, I think this goes to a good point about what goes on with the character of Tyler Leander and sort of like, you know, in in the um, show, how he talks about how these post-pandemic children are special and chosen because they are free of trauma, mm. you know? Oh, and wow. a lot of the people yeah. who survived who are pre-pandemic who are living in this world, they still are sort of traumatized by the past, by, you know that sort of muscle memory of wanting to go get a cup of coffee or like, yeah. you know, like go get gas in your car or look at Older your phone. The older you were, the more you had and the more you had to lose. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the more you're a slave to those things, you know, and these yep. children who are born after it are free of all that, you know, and I, I think that's a wonderful thing that, you know, I, I would love to see explored in, you know, any sort of successive future versions of this whole uh, mm -hmm. world and storytelling. I think there's a lot that you can, you can do there playing off, you know, the, the pre-pandemic and the post-pandemic people on how a new world is going to be created, you know, and, but in that new world you create, you want to hold on to the best parts of what were lost, you know? Yes. And yes. I think that's the most important message to take away because these people who were born before the pandemic, there is still good stuff there, you know, yep. and the people who are repopulating the world, they can take some of that with them, you know? And like, you know, it's just, um, the book is just so powerful in so many ways, man. And sometimes it just clobbers you over the head it's so simple, like the stuff you read. Yeah, these things we take for granted. But imagine your life without them. You know, totally. it goes to think about like what, these. How you? How do you share music? How, how do yeah. you tell stories? You know, how do you communicate with people? It's all emboldened. Whole in, genres of music couldn't even yeah. couldn't even exist. Yeah. Couldn't even exist. And that's what's so powerful about the story. I mean, this this traveling symphony. They chose to focus on theater and yeah. Shakespeare as a way to to hold things together and to bring people together and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's just so beautiful and so powerful. Yeah, they wanted and the to show choose. does a great job and the book does a great job with yeah. it in different ways. And it's all equal. They, they did the Shakespeare was not only did they think it was like some of the highest art, but it was also, he wrote that kind of in the, um, the wake of a plague. Right. And they always thought that, you know, his life and his trauma was influenced by a plague. So yeah. there was, a, it was a thing there. And like you get with any books, um, you know, you get a little bit more nuance to the things that that both had in there. I mean, you know, there's even like, um, you know, at the museum that you saw how they handled like a rape one time and, yep. you know, just little these little things, these little other pieces. I mean, they had the whole segment um, where they invited you inside the Dear V book, which is not in the um, the show at all. And that's that's Arthur writing letters. It's a series of letters from so you get more insight into author uh, uh, Arthur. 
And but I mean, also that kind of tied all the characters together too. that book, that book kind of he's talking about all the characters and they all had that in common. Um, uh, Kirsten's interviewed in the book. And while she's interviewed, you're obviously getting much more insight into her. You know, you find out more about the world. There's I mean, there is bigger world building to the devastation. And, you know, uh, I love how they allude to kind of this break that happens after because things were violent at first. I mean, especially in the South, they talk about where there was lots of guns. Mm -hmm. But over time, you know, ammunition is running out and and there's less people. um, And it just the. That they call them the calmer years. As things go by, people are a little bit more calmer. You know, they're not just shooting right away. They're they're talking. It becomes less dangerous. Besides the profit, of course. But right. I love to see that transition to go. But you know, as much as we loved uh, the ending of the series, I you know the ending of the book is very very touching too. There's a it's got a different kind of happy ending. There's um you know they there's electricity hope they see yeah. off in the distance there 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 could be some there, some lights that look like electricity i mean you know um um jeevan's family him having a family and a son named frank after his brother i mean arthur got to talk to his um his son before he died they walked you into the day before he passed on on that stage and right you no know, he says i love you and then also when Ar- arthur's dying um you know, he sees the snow and it's the most beautiful thing he's ever seen. And you see how, you know, the book gets in Tyler's and Kirsten's hands and it's beautiful too. It's really, it's, it's, it's a beautiful ending. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, the, you know, the non-linear nature of the storytelling in the book and the way it kind of jumps across space and time and characters and story unfolds. Um, it, it can be difficult maybe for someone to sort of digest and interpret but I think in the way that um, the author um, structured it and the, just the power of storytelling, and actually I can't imagine doing it any other way, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I, I love sort of like having sort of vignettes and visiting year two and visiting year 20 and then visiting with, you know, Arthur Leander and then visiting with, you know, Jeevan and visiting with Kristen and stuff like that. And like, I like, I like the sort of discordant kind of jumping around nature of it. And within that, you know, like... Um, I think it does a good job of setting like the, the um, sort of the the tone for the book too. It's kind of like you're always kind of like unsettled, you know, because it's oh, unsettled yeah. time. Mm-hmm. But um, within that, I, I just think like I spoke in the beginning about this sort of this this ribbon or this thread of hope that kind of is woven throughout all of it. And mm-hmm. you know, some of the things that you spoke to at the end of the book, you know, like seeing the lights in the distance and stuff like that, and like Arthur actually getting to talk to Tyler before he passed on something mm-hmm. like that, and you like. You know, like they all sort of speak to hope, you know, and sort of not losing hope even at the worst of times. And I, and I think that that's, it's a great message for the book and for the show. Um, and it just sort of adds power to, to, to the story itself. Yeah. Um, I um, yeah. I did mention last uh, episode that, you know, and I think me and River agreed that, you know, it would be great if it just stayed like this. Just leave, yeah. just leave the season alone. It's yeah. so perfect. I'll revisit it. I'll watch it. But I, 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 you know, on the other side of that, and I heard an interview with Patrick, and he was a little bit open to the idea, and just thinking about some of the things I mentioned in the book that weren't there, the, the Dear V book, um, it was cool when they came upon the first newspaper, um, even just the idea towards the end, um, Kirsten sets out in the world to find that electricity, I love to follow her, and there's just so much more to really mine from, yeah. I mean, there is potential here to, to revisit this world, and also, the idea, uh, the fact that these showrunners t- 
took this story and then just brought all these enticing stories of their own into it like this. I mean, they, they brought that out of thin air. They, why can't, you know, they have all, I, I have nothing but faith in them to do that again. So, I mean, I'm it, as much as I think it's perfect, we can end it, you know, here. Um, I'm, I, I, I have no doubt they could do something really special with this if they chose to. I mean, I just, the, these showrunners, I mean, this showrunner is incredible. I can't wait to see what Patrick does next. I love, he did Maniac too on um, on uh, Netflix, which I was awesome. He worked on The Leftovers some too. And these, this, I want to mention that some of the directors because um, Hiro um, Murray, I think it is. I'm sorry if I uh, mispronounced that, but he's a, I've known him working um, with Childish Gambino for a long time. I mean, he worked on Atlanta a bunch, but he's uh, known for the This Is America video, which is one of them, it's, in modern days, it's one of the most famous videos that Definitely. happened. Um, and then there's three other directors that worked on it. And they're just all so great. Jeremy um, Pureswa, Helen um, uh, uh, Shaver, and uh, Lucy um, uh, Tukerne- uh, Tuckerneck. I might have said that wrong, too. But she, I, I, I got my eye on her. She's a younger director. She worked on End of the, uh, End of the Fucking World, which we talked yeah. about here on Welcome to Party Bell. But she directed five and seven, my two favorites. Oh, nice. so, so what I'm saying is just you have this amazing team together and I, I could just see them doing something special if they chose to. And I'd, I, I'd be open to it. But what we've been given is, is so special as it is, too. And I'm, I'm grateful for both the book and, and the series. Yeah, and I, I want to also, you know, say that I really enjoyed the supporting cast, um, the members oh, yeah. of the Traveling, the traveling Symphony. Mm-hmm. Um, man, the, those, those characters were so powerful. Um, yeah. That one gentleman who's like a burn victim and he has an amputated arm. Uh, uh, he played the he played the role of August. Um, yep. Yep. And like um, he was just incredible. Every time he came on stage and on the scene, I was just locked mm-hmm. on him. You know, like mm-hmm. he has his power and his gravitas, and like it, it's his his character was so kudos to him. And just you know the other characters as well. Um, Alex, the you know the sort of the the young. Uh, post-pandemic uh child the one who's saying the dirge and stuff like that she was incredible. Tyler's child Tyler, yeah. Tyler's child yeah Tyler's That's child the story yeah. it's, it's child. Yeah. overlooked it's canon Incredible. yeah it's canon that was that was yeah. him who came there it's nuts they slid that in there they I know they, I love that yeah and, and just like you know like oh and also um the guy who played Clark you know who yep. was um um Arthur Leander's you know best oh, friend David, like David Wilmot was fantastic yeah incredible incredible yeah. so I, I i just think that they've got an incredible cast so kudos to the to the casting crew who just got these people on board because um they each bring their own personalities and, mm-hmm. and like i said at the beginning the show the book needed to have this kind of treatment to become a show and this kind of cast you know it's just that yeah, that makes sense it makes sense of a book you mm-hmm. know and the way they went with it with like the the, the soundscape in the show and sort of like the the cinematography and like the, the sets they chose and how they chose to sort of jump you through time and stuff like that with like these these quick shots of the same scene being like mm-hmm. you know Monday Monday Chicago then like completely like 20 years later like ruined and stuff like that and overgrown and stuff like that it just overall it was all wonderful and like I felt like both of them the book and the show just did a good job of sort of like rewriting the rules for how you address a po- post-apocalyptic piece of art you exactly. know and they both totally. did it in wonderful ways and I agree with you I would like to sort of see more of this world as it unfolds um, visually in, in, a, in a show or something like that, you know, I think there's a lot they can do with there. You know, I, I'm 
I hopeful it doesn't go the way of maybe sort of like the greater Walking Dead franchise where it just becomes <laughs> sort of a, a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy. And now no, it's no. Just sort of like, no. you know, I can't watch it anymore. But, you know, <laughs> if, if they can keep it to a tight little series, maybe yeah. two, three seasons and wrap it up real nice, I, I would be happy, you know? There's stuff to work with. I, I think you just nailed an, an incredible point. They really did kind of open the door for what can be done with this yeah. post-apocalyptic thing. I mean, even though I'm, a, I'm very attracted to the genre time and time again, there's, you know, there's a lot of homogeneity there and this, yes. this was different and this was beautiful. I think that's why it struck a lot of us. It was beautiful in just such a different way. And it was because it did, you know, it did open the door to, to looking past the hurt and mm -hmm. looking past the pain. And that's, that's super hopeful. So I I'm really sure feel like, yeah. Right. I really feel, um, even after two episodes, we can just go on and on, but um, it just, it's just a major beautiful work and it was fun to talk about and, and, uh, and thank you, Chris. Thanks for, yeah, for coming course. on here and talking about it. I could talk about this for the rest of the day, Mike, you know, um, <laughs> this is one of the big ones for me. You know, I've been a big fan of this book and this show for a long time. Yep. We might have to take it off here. So um, we'll be back real soon. Um, talking something else where next we're going to be talking about Ozark in the next episode. So uh Thank you, everybody out there, for once again joining the party. There's nowhere in the world that I would rather be than with you, my love. And there's nothing in the world that I would rather see than your This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com.